head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. For the first time since March 2020, we're doing this in the same room. And I have to say, it feels pretty awkward. But it also feels good. You were excited. And then when we like hit record, you had a moment of being like, this is new or this is like unfamiliar. But it also feels good. It's good awkward. No, definitely. I'm thrilled to have you here. It's just super weird. Also, perhaps because it's in, we're in my home, we're in my apartment in Brooklyn. It's just like a really different experience. But it's great to have you here, Amanda. We're going to talk about a local story. There was a big fundraiser for Brooklyn Bridge Park with quite the guest list. Um, we also are going to check in on Prince Albert and Princess Charlene of Monaco, which we don't often talk about, but it's a pretty weird royal story. Um, Nicholas Braun's having the time of his life, I think. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to start with the double Adele profiles that dropped last week. I have a question for you. Yes. Why do they do different profiles for American Vogue and British Vogue? I assume that they were negotiated together. Again, this is this is me reading the tea leaves from outside. I do not have any inside information. Um, but I assume that the way that they got Adele was like, we'll give you kind of international reach. You'll be on these two covers and they'll probably wind up on the other, like, you know, Vogue, Brazil or Vogue, et cetera. Right. Um, but you get like extra exposure for 
your buck. But so that's how they pitch it to her. And then I think the flip side is like Anna Wintour is still quite powerful in the magazine world, despite everything that we've all read in the past two to 15 years. And so she's like, I want my own cover for American Vogue that's different than the one for British Vogue. So I think it's a little bit like intercontinent competition or just like stunting, if you will. Sure. And a little bit of like, listen, you can just do this project with us. It's like, they, I mean, they do have different teams. They are, as you noted, two separate interviews. One's like in New York, one's in LA. They're different shoots. But I think probably there was like one person negotiating like who goes when and where. So it's maybe efficiency. Sure. And British Vogue, I was surprised, got to go first. It seemed based on the way it was written, that interview was arranged um, and occurred. I don't, it probably, as you said, arranged at the same time, but occurred before the the uh, Beverly Hills one. And I'm curious, you know, I have a lot. I have now a complicated relationship with Adele. It used to be uncomplicated, but like as all relationships, as they evolve, you know, you just carry baggage. Um, I'm curious what your takeaways were from the the double interviews and just sort of like this entire drop, because on the same I think this like I think it was the same day the two stories came out that she dropped a teaser for her um, song that's coming at the end of the week. I mostly noticed the overlap. And then I guess because I noticed the overlap between the two stories, she's very on message, Aradell, which I appreciate. She's She, quote, does not like being famous, a thing that she says in both pieces and has said for, you know, 10 years now or however long we've known her. But she's pretty good at it. She has like an awareness of what is she is saying and what she wants to communicate. So I thought they were mostly getting the same stuff. I thought kind of the emphasis on what both the things that they got and the things that were similar and the things that were different were noticeable. British Vogue seemed way more interested in her celebrity discomfort. Mm -hmm. And American Vogue seemed way more interested in like the weight loss, which was very depressing. So depressing. I um I had a similar takeaway, which is like, I don't think I learned anything new that I didn't already know. And I also felt that I got way too much of the the re- two reporters because Adele gave them so little that either by by necessity or by choice, the writers themselves became characters in these profiles. And they literally just like did like right along to the day uh, with Adele. They didn't even do the like meet me for Runyon. We'll do a hike to get do a hike together. Like literally they were allowed to join whatever she was doing that day and just follow her. And, and she spoke to them. And then it seems like both reporters got a, a did get like separate, like just like sit downs. They got to go to like her home or her hotel room and she played some music for them. Um, that must have been so intensely negotiated as well. I think in, in both cases she played the music on her phone or on her own like speaker system for them and like didn't give access to the music which I respect and I like um but I was just like she gave so little to them she even handed her earbuds at least to the British Vogue reporter which I'm just like gross yeah I don't know I'm not sharing earbuds but that's on me that's because I'm not really cleaning them the way that I should which (laughs) I don't know why I just admitted that in public it's like one of those things where every time I use it I'm like next time I am going to get a Q-tip and some like rubbing alcohol or whatever, and I'm going to clean this. And then I'm like, I don't have any Q-tips in my home. Anyway, I hope that Adele cleans her earbuds for her sake as well as for these other people. But yes, and that's like a thing, you know, Taylor, I remember Taylor Swift used to do that. I think 
musicians like of a certain um, caliber and also um, privacy concern level tend to do this, but it seems like she even played similar songs. The British Vogue one is really interesting because she's like giving him like one song every two hours, like a treat. Totally. And it, you're right. It's totally like choreographed and intentional, which on the one hand, I don't mind in the sense of all of these interactions, all profiles are like intensely weird choreographed like interactions. Yeah. The amount of negotiation that goes up before you can be in a room with someone as famous as Adele, the amount of like, we need this amount of time and there's going to be this much that and the other, and we'll do this thing and that thing. It's not a natural, normal interaction. It's not like me just like showing up at your house on a Tuesday morning and like chatting. So you like, I appreciate that they at least like planned it. There's like little content blurbs throughout. But also you can see the work for sure. I think she clearly didn't want to make any headlines. First of all, she clearly was like going to, I think American Vogue asked her about going to the Suns game where she made her first public appearance with Rich Paul, which was um, in June or July of last year when she went to the finals with during the Space Jam press tour. So it must have been July. No, it was this year, right? It wasn't last year. I was thinking the NBA season starts next week. Right. So in my mind, we're in a new year. From the NBA and one NBA season to another. Um, welcome back, Clay Thompson. Can't wait to see you on the court. I love it. It won't be next week. Anyway, um she clearly like is just kind of opening up the gate very slowly. And the big drop is the music, which I really respect. Like she's even in the interviews, like the stuff that she did reveal about her divorce was specifically in relation to the music of like my son has these questions about why we can't all live together. And my record is a way of explaining it to him. Like that's kind of the gist of, of both of her pieces of, of both pieces. Um, and it's, it's very savvy, but I'm kind of curious this is a problem that Taylor Swift ran into as well. Like for me, so much of the appeal of Adele when she was first starting out was like these incredible vocals, which I'm just personally obsessed with. And this really like seemingly relatable person. Um, and she is now so unrelatable. Like, I think that's, it's just like, she's so far from where she started, which is the testament to her talent, honestly, more than anything else. And I, I still like love, love, love her music. Like I found a boy, which is not even an official track is like probably like top three favorite song of all time. But I, I'm just sort of like, I don't even know what I'm looking forward to with this next album because it, I think she knows and resents that it's going to be extremely difficult to top 21. And she like almost denigrates it herself as I think a way of like clearing the field mentally that she could still top it. But like 21 is one of the best records of all time, like start to finish. And it's so moving. So many people like related to it. Someone like you is just the all time breakup song. Like, will it ever be topped? I don't know. I mean, it's like, there's parts like that and like nothing compares to you. Right. Yeah. And so I don't, it's sort of like, what is she, I feel like she's doing as much mental gymnastics for herself in terms of her career as anything else. And then I think we should like figuring out where the weight loss storyline fits into that is hard for everyone to reckon with, because I don't think anyone can just accept that. Like she's working out a lot and she went out of her way to say that like the cert food diet is not real, even though that's been like reported for a long time. And I, I actually don't, it's actually like not, I am not a doctor, not a physiological expert, but I actually don't think it's possible to lose weight like that from just exercise. You also have to change the way you eat. 
She talks about the weight loss in both profiles, or I should say she is asked about yes. it. Yes. Um, and they both bring it up. And on the one hand, well, I mean, I guess you don't have to as a journalist. You you don't have to bring it up. But she foregrounds it in the American one. The activity they do is she invites the, re- the reporter to the gym. So she makes it a focus of the American one. That's true. And at least the way it's presented in the British Vogue profile is that he the because it's British Vogue, they're asking about like her life in LA and how she's become like LA-ish. And she's like, well, I got like fit and healthy. That's pretty LA. And like provides yeah. the opening. Now, did he steer it there? Like honestly, we don't really know. But b- because I think any journalist, you don't have to, but I think if we had been presented two Vogue profiles without a mention of it, even though I think you and I in particular like pretty uncomfortable with all the press coverage around it, as is Adele, as she speaks about, I think every, like every sensible person is, it would be weird to not, I don't know, you would notice the absence, right? Especially with Vogue, which is the photos are a huge part of it. And so when you're talking about the aesthetics to ignore the weight loss, when it is, is, would just be very, um, would, would be strange. But I also think that because she kind of disappeared for a few years after she the tour for 25 ended, it seemed really stark. Whereas she actually has been steadily losing weight. And I really don't want to talk about her body. It's not fair, but like she has been losing weight since she was a teenager, right? Which is how long we've known her. And so like, if you go look at, you know, 19 versus 21 versus 25, she's an evolving human. Her body is evolving with her. She also in that time had a child. And then afterwards probably, you know, evaluated some things for her own comfort or whatever. But I think because she um, disappeared when she came back, it was such a stark change. And if you, if she had been more public along the way, probably would not have been such a shock, but it was, you know, it was shocking. And I think that also we're watching someone kind of, you know, I think this is in British folks. She mentions her Saturn return and she's still sort of like working through it very actively. And I think we all have had phases where we're like, I'm going to try something on and it could be a personality manifested through clothes, through whatever, whatever. And she's like just working through a lot of stuff. She seems to suggest that like she's worked through it. But I actually, even though she didn't give out a lot, I thought that the both profiles suggested she's still working through it. Yes, absolutely. Especially with regards to the divorce and and her child and how it's all affecting her child. But the the weight loss stuff... I, I give, I think that it's probably Adele who's like, the way I'm going to talk about this is talking about how I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And like, it is like acknowledging it. And she, you know, calls out all of the like weird trainers she's never met and people who'd like tried to take credit for it. And she acknowledges what you said about how, like, I've just been gone for two years and what seems really sudden to you, you know, almost ties it to this thing of like, you guys think that, you know, all of me, but you know, you know, kind of what I've decided to share and here's what I've decided to share this time. So I think all that makes sense. And like, I guess is maybe like the smartest way of being like, okay, this happened. And I like, I did it for me. She talks a lot about her anxiety and like the working out dealing with this ongoing anxiety. So she works out like several times a day, which of course then there are already like aggregated articles being like, Adele works out too much. Like everybody chill out. Um, but you're right. It seems to be a part of a larger like transformation, but also she's still sorting through some things. Yeah. Um, but it, they do spend, they both pieces spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. And you're like, uh, I get it. Like we're all talking about it. You and I are talking about it. 
And it like clearly Adele at least wanted to like put it in some context, but it feels, I don't know. It feels, it feels um, cheap, I think, because she's so talented for that to be like the, the headline. But I guess to your point, she wanted to give the, at least the American reporter some context for it. Um, it is interesting how the activities she did for the new, for London slash New York, the, for British Vogue slash, which was the interview was largely in New York versus American Vogue, where the interview is largely in Beverly Hills around her home and other parts of Los Angeles. In the British one, she was in town to go to a, um, a show at the mm-hmm. Mellon Institute, I think it's called. Um, and in LA, she went to the gym. And it's like, and it's, it's I'm almost like, did she choose that? Did someone suggest like the two, like, let's do like the two sides of the coin or something? It was so, so weird. Um, I thought that was just really funny and like playing into some very specific stereotypes about the two cities that are, are you know, not uh, LA is her adopted home, but like neither of which she's native to. Right. I, so it's a, it's a, the Cooper Hewitt is oh, the exhibit. Well, I, I mean, I just read the piece. I didn't remember. And then they use it as a way to play up how she's doing like London-y things. So I think some of it is like LA is too like La La Land for British folks. So like you do New York, you talk about how she like misses London. At one point in the piece, she's like, I can't afford a house in London. And the reporter's like, are you sure? And she's like, no, I looked. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. I can't do it. Which, you know, I, I know that there is there is a housing crisis in many cities across the world, London foremost among them. But like, I bet Adele could afford a house in London. I think it's for the, the amount of square footage. So yes. New York Post did an aggregated story, which I really appreciated. And she bought three houses, basically at the end of a cul-de-sac in mm-hmm. a gated community in Beverly Hills. And like the combined square footage is, I think, like 18,000 square feet. And that in London is hundreds of millions of dollars. So if she wanted that very specific dream of 18,000 square feet, yes, you have to leave the city. But also that's not really city living. So that's the other thing. Like, I think one thing she's dancing around is like she likes the L.A. lifestyle. You have to to be dating Rich Paul and to go to. LeBron James's wife, Savannah's birthday. Right. And so there's also this sort of like, uh, she doesn't like celebrity, but she clearly likes luxury. And I salute that. I have to say, let me be very clear. I also salute liking luxury. Uh, and if I could afford an 18,000 square foot home in Los Angeles and in Beverly Hills, I, I would also live there. I cannot. She does also say, you know, that her life is in cars and 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 houses and buildings and she like can't be outside anymore because she's famous which for someone of her level she goes out in public and she even says that I get like 20 minutes before I get recognized and there's like a thing and I have to leave somewhere and I think that is true and there are a lot of celebrities who I think find places where you're like out among the people sort of untenable if you don't want to be photographed yeah and she clearly doesn't want to be photographed Especially in the era of like Dumois yeah. and um, Instagram, like it must be really, really hard for her. Right. And it's like in the last few months, we've seen her like leaving parties with Rich Paul and we kind of like know what Adele has been up to. But I think that's because she has allowed like herself to be photographed totally. because she has some promo going on. And it seems like she's happy in this relationship, which, you know. Julianne and I are on the record about dating agents, but whatever. If he's nice to her, that's great. I wish Adele happiness. So she's maybe loosened up a bit, but she talks in the pieces also about like going to clubs and partying before this and like 
that did not wind up in the tabloids, you know? So I think she's pretty choosy about yeah. when she gets photographed and doesn't want to be photographed. So uh, that's easier to do in LA. That is why like a lot of celebrities live in LA and then you just don't see them. Right. Cause in New York, they can just follow you down the street. And they exactly. just kind of you. Yeah. Um, just wondering how many Laker games she'll be going to. And like, I saw someone tweet, I, I saw um, comments by celebs screenshotted, like someone tweeted a joke. I'll, I'll just read it. Stand by. Comment by celebs posted this. I don't know why it's funny to imagine Rich Paul venting to Adele while laying in bed at night about how stressful Ben Simmons situation is. <laughs> I have really been you like very alert to the Rich Paul aspect of the Ben Simmons situation. Can you briefly explain it? Sure. I hope that I hope listeners that you have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Ben Simmons was a number one draft pick. He's been on the Sixers for four years, signed an extension. Um, he's good. He can't shoot last year in the playoffs. He had like a mental breakdown where he passed up a dunk and he no longer wants to be on the Sixers, but he's still under contract. The Sixers won't trade him. His trade value is like at an all time low as a result of last season's, um, meltdown in the playoffs and the Philly fans and press have been very hard on him. So he wants to leave the team, but like I said, the team won't trade him. So it's been a standoff between team Ben Simmons and his agent is rich Paul. And the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons didn't, didn't attend training camp for the most part. There's like one week left. And so he was losing all this money. He finally showed up last night unannounced. He didn't tell anyone he was coming at the team. So he just showed up for COVID testing to make sure he was cleared. And now he's apparently like rejoining the team. And I think he is now understands that his trade value is nil if he doesn't play. But this is after he pretty much in public was like, I will not be coming to work anymore until you trade me. And also all of the, his teammates were set loose to share their own feelings about the experience of being on his team. So I can't say strategically, I feel like this is Rich Paul's greatest like achievement based on what I've seen. Definitely not. Right. And so I've just been like, how's this going? How's their relationship these next few weeks? Is Adele really getting the support that she needs pre-album rollout when this guy is just having to take Ben Simmons' calls all the time. It's pretty bad timing for her, for, yeah. for her, like for supporting Adele. I mean, the season does start next week and her first single is coming on Friday. So Rich Paul's busy. Plus Ben Simmons, he's still in Philly. He showed up for the team yesterday. So it's really a disaster. It's really, it's incredible to watch. I love it. It's great drama. I hope it works out for everyone. Um, I like Joel Embiid. So I hope the Sixers have a good season. I wish him the best. And, you know, Adele, I'd love to see you courtside. I will say, like, if she's going to be dating Rich Paul, at least give us some good courtside reactions. Like, Rihanna really made a name for herself, like, in the middle of the of the tens, like, by going to, to games and sort of, like, coming for one quarter and then leaving the All-Star game, a lot of Lakers games. Obviously, her, I think, um, when she was dating Drake, she might have showed up at a Toronto game, perhaps. On and off. I don't know if they ever really dated. Anyway. There's a lot to be done for a personal brand from um, being on the sidelines of an NBA game. Like, just ask Chloe Sevigny and Ethan Hawke. That's true. Also, Rihanna and Ethan Hawke, speaking of all-time great uh, MSG photos. But let me ask you this. As someone devoted to the Adele experience, but as you noted at the beginning of this podcast, you know, like, not wavering, never wavering, but feeling like you don't connect to this moment as much. Sure. And also as someone with a deep NBA knowledge and fandom. Like, would Adele becoming a major courtside figure help you feel more connected? Or is that getting further away from the Adele you know and love? That's a great, a great question. I would definitely prefer her, her to be like 
a diehard soccer person. Like I, I just like want Adele to be British, not like that interested in her American assimilation. So I would like prefer it if she was just like diehard Tottenham and like really upset about Harry Kane not showing up for, for his first day of practice, which also happened. Really? What happened there? Um, He's he, the only player I know. He wanted to be traded. Um, he wanted to be lo- he wanted to be sent elsewhere and it didn't work out. Um, So I would prefer that for sure. But it's just a good point. I, I, I do think that like with an album like 21, which is probably one of the most seminal pop albums of all time, maybe like one of the most impressive, like vocal albums of all time. Like, I don't, I don't know really what you're supposed to do after that. Like 25 was good, right? It's just not nearly as good as 21. And I also have to say, I'm not that excited about her co-writers that she has for this new album, which I do. I do not believe will be called 30. Um, she mentioned Greg Kirsten and Tobias Gesso, both of whom worked on 25. Um, and then she also apparently consulted with the gods, Max Martin and Shellback in Sweden. That probably will be a good song. I mean, Max <laughs> Martin has basically never failed. Um, but I, I, I don't love the work of Greg Kirsten personally. Um, and I think her Tobias Jesso song on 25, which is when we were young is like, okay. Um, I love that one. It's just a little shallow. It's true. It's sort of like Adele paint by numbers, but Adele paint by numbers can still be like extremely moving. Yeah. I think it's called when we were younger. My bad. Anyway, her best song on, or I mean, hello is amazing, which Greg Kirsten did co-write, but all I ask is my favorite 25 song, which Bruno Mars co-wrote. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little worried, but I also like got the impression that she probably, the, probably the pressure from 21 is like immense, but also it, I think we all feel like we, we learned a lot about Adele, at least emotionally through 21 and, and like so many people related to it. Like, I think it, you know, also when 21 came out, we were, I was 25. Mm -hmm. I was like really upset that like a boy didn't love me. And I just like, you know, it, it hit, it hit so right. And I just like, I don't know if like anyone's like, if you can ever like recreate that, moment if you're her or you're one of her diehard fans also maybe you don't want to because it's like so painful but i also just kind of got the impression that she doesn't want people to think that like that emotional 21 year old is who she is and i feel like this is a lot about like redefining her identity and proving that she is she contains multitudes to the public and to herself which i totally get but like just isn't that fun as as a fan yeah i mean this is a challenge to any artist in terms of you become incredibly successful for one thing. And then are you supposed to just keep doing that thing forever? Or like, will people go along the journey with you? But especially if you're an incredibly successful artist, when you're young, doing really personal stuff, which you're right, are universal emotions, even if you like haven't been like broken up with recently, everyone can like everyone remembers, you know, you carry that with you. So but then to grow up and like trying to write about things in their your 30s like does anybody want pop music from people in their 30s so far like not really yeah I mean no I it's interesting that like an Adele song will be like preceded or followed by like Olivia Rodrigo who is sort of you know doing the Taylor Swift thing but with with Roots of Adele as well I'm sure Olivia Rodrigo has sung someone like you into her microphone or her hairbrush who hasn't so I don't know. It's it does. Um, I actually was thinking about this in relation to all the Facebook stuff last week where there's such an emphasis on um, preserving and protecting young women and girls, which obviously I support and like think is extremely 
important, but it did sort of make me think about like, what is there for, for women after the age of 30? Like how does this, does society care about them? Does anyone want to protect them? And I think that it's like, it, it just sort of, and I think that, uh, entertainment really highlights that because it's so focused on youth and like the next thing and appearances and it's upsetting. Um, and, and I don't know, I sort of like, I feel for Adele, but, but I don't really know what the answer is. I'm sort of excited for her that she's like, well, I just made an album about divorce and but she said like, she and, did it. and tearing my life up. But like, but like then everyone, they listen to the songs and she's kind of like, yes, this is a song to my son explaining exactly why I did these things with specifics. And you're like, oh, okay. So it's not about your divorce, divorce with scare quotes. It's true. It's also like inspiring, right? Like Adele is like refusing to be pigeonholed and she's taking her career into her own control. And it's, it's stark, stark comparison to like someone like Britney Spears, who just is like, this woman is in control and she's like made peace with her father and, and whatnot. So that part is, is honestly really inspiring and should be relatable. So like, you know, maybe that's the way to reframe Adele, something to aspire to. And maybe it'll work and maybe it'll be good. I mean, this is the other thing that's fascinating, right? Is that what year was 21? You'll know off the top. 2011. Right. Okay. So obviously by 2011 music industry, like in free fall, but every year since music industry, like completely changing in free fall of like a different way all the time, like through all of her albums. So like, what does success look like for her in terms of numbers, like in terms of sales, in terms of, cause I mean, just the statistics and the comps are totally different than even for 25, which I think sold an insane number of albums, right. In a time when people were just like, we don't buy albums anymore, but can you do that again? What does it look like if that's not how people consume music? Right. How do you define success? Does she want to keep doing it afterwards? I don't know. It's interesting. And the pop space, the three people who seem to sort of defy a lot of this stuff are Adele, Taylor Swift, and Ed Sheeran. So I think she will and probably be fine. Drake, I mean, if you're counting him in the pop space. I think space. Drake, Drake and Beyonce and probably yeah. Rihanna, if she ever wants to do music again, right. will, will be separate, I think. But like in the sort of like pure pop those are the three that kind of don't need i'm sure that i think they like touring we don't need it in the same way like um ed sheeran tops the charts in britain without even trying mm-hmm. i mean like his most recent album songs are like not nearly as good they're still like hitting it out of the park like their level of fame just carries them so far so i'm sure it'll go great i'm sure the music will be good a bad adele record is so much better than like most people's good records so i don't know it's just complicated amanda I look forward to monitoring your emotions and your evolution along with Adele. You know, it's really two people's journey here on Jam Session. Thank you so much. Let's move on <laughs> on that note. Let's talk about something fun. Can we talk okay. about this fundraiser in Brooklyn? Sure. Very niche, but also not. It's not. Come on. My dad sent me this article this morning. So thanks to my dad for alerting me to it. We're a little bit late, but who cares? Um, this is from the Brooklyn Eagle. Brooklyn Black Tie Ball raises $1 million. And um, people who attended include famous Brooklyn residents, John Krasinski, Matt Damon, Matthew Reese, and Rose Byrne. No Emily Blunt, no Carrie Russell. I'm going to assume they were working. Also, Allison Wright, who's a co-star of Matthew Reese and, and the Americans. She played Martha. She was fantastic. Um, but also, like many other people that I'd like to mention. Please. Number one, former NBA player JJ Reddick, former Ringer podcaster, friend of the Ringer. Um, absolutely thrilling. And then this is like so on the nose. Co-founder of fashion label Dragon Bone, Marcus Wainwright, 
and co-founder CEO of Maisonette, Silvana Durrett. Is that how you say her name? I think so. I I know of her because she's sort of, she's a prominent figure in the second Vogue documentary, the not as good one about the Met Gala, mm. because for a while she worked at Vogue and she ran the Met Gala, which is not a job that I would envy um, and takes a certain kind of person. And I just remember that in the documentary, she receives emails from Anna Wintour that are subject line only, nothing in the body of the text, just being like, where, like, what's up with Rihanna's dress or whatever. And you're just like, okay, this is, I, this is not a job that I would want. Um, she's now famous because Maisonette is like some kind of brand for children that I just like know about from like Instagram and, and whatever. And it seems like very, um, very Brooklyn. And like also very like Los feelings It seems like they tried to start Net-A-Porte, but for baby's clothes, baby clothes, as I understand it. Oh, okay. It Because I think that they, I don't know. It's just like really expensive, like baby things that show up. And then sometimes there's like mom and me things. And I get those Instagram ads and I'm like kind of offended. Um, but yes, clothes that are way too expensive for what a child needs to spit up in is my understanding of their business model. They basically raised $2 million for the park, Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is a lovely place and also in very good. Um, it's like very well maintained because clearly they have a lot of money. Matt Damon and John Krasinski both are rumored to live near it. So I'm glad to see they're supporting a neighborhood cause. I just think this is really funny. I mean, this is like so on the nose, like all of these people, you know, coming out to support their their local park. And then I got a good chuckle because in this article from the Brooklyn Eagle, there's a caption that says former NBA player, JJ Reddick and friend at the, at the event. And it's not JJ Reddick. So <laughs> tough, but that just shows you how well he fits in. There's so many people who look like him around here. But JJ Reddick is a known Brooklyn Heights yes. resident, right? Yes. He, okay. um, per architectural digest and also New York magazine several years ago, lives in Dumbo. And, but, but the children go to preschool in Brooklyn Heights, as we learned via the Grace Church piece. If they still go, I mean, how do you show your face after that? I was sort of heartened to see that he was like still in the Brooklyn like Heights community after that piece. It seems like the the bullies of that preschool did not bully JJ Raddick and family out of the neighborhood, which is good, I guess. Oh, definitely. There's room for us all here. I don't know. I just really enjoyed this. Um, I love that John Krasinski's ba- and Matt Damon have basically become like the celebrity face of Brooklyn. I don't really know what that says, but um, at least a certain spart of Brooklyn. I think probably Notorious B.I.G. will always be the most famous and, and Jay-Z for that matter. But after them, there's these guys. I don't know. Hope to see them at Nets games. I'm just really excited for all the celebrity possibilities of the, of the basketball season this year. We missed out with COVID, so it's back. I just can't believe that they had a black tie event, you know, and like the photos are of all of these people who do, I do have like movies and things to promote and I guess like want to be out in public, but they're just like, yeah, we're at a gala. I was like, I didn't know that we just made it back to to gala already post COVID times. If you're having a gala, please fucking invite me. All I want is to party. Please invite me to your fancy party. But yeah, I mean, this also was just want to note it was outdoors. So I guess it was COVID safe. Yeah. And with climate change, it's still in the 70s here deep into October in New York. So I think it's beautiful. I'm thrilled to be here. I will say I don't see any past appetizers in these photographs. Huge well, mistake. I guess I'm seeing some people with some like little app plates in the misidentified JJ Reddick photo. But I mean, I'd love to be invited to an outdoor gala if there are past apps and and you know, safety protocols. <laughs> I just I just didn't know we were doing this already. I was like really quite taken aback. And just Matt Damon looks like thrilled to be photographed here, just you know, buying an auction for 
whatever was auctioned off. His wife is wearing like a woman's tuxedo and she looks great. Her name is Luciana Barroso. Congratulations to them. They're doing it. They, they moved back to New York. Congrats to them. All right. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Next, um, we don't often talk about this royal duo, but it's such a weird situation that I feel like we just needed to mention what's going on with Prince Albert of Monaco and Princess Charlene, who is his wife, who is from South Africa. She's an Olympian. Um, I believe they met at a swimming meet several years ago. And she has been in South Africa for the last like almost two, almost two years, like for the duration of COVID. And she's like not able to go back to Monaco because of like needing an operation. But it turns out that it's like an, an, ear, nose and throat series of operation surgeries. I, I don't, it's very, it's very unclear and it's just super weird. And there's all of these stories swirling around them about how she just doesn't want to go back to Monaco. And they're like, they're like staples of the daily mail and Monaco is the weirdest place in the world. So it doesn't surprise me that they're, um, ha- also have really, really, really weird Royals. I also should mention that Prince Albert is mentioned is, is by many, by many accounts, quite an unsavory fellow. So he has um, refused to acknowledge his children like that he's had out of wedlock several times. Um, And so he's like, 
I, I would say he's not a great guy, but this is just a really weird story that the royal family of Monaco goes to great length to, to, to continue and perpetuate. So I've been aware of this story just because I would say every week in Daily Mail or Page Six, there is a headline that is just like Princess Charlene still not back in Monaco. And it's not like I'm clicking through this. I, you know, I do not follow the Monaco royal family with like great uh, specificity, but I just kind of get the headline updates of just like this woman doesn't want to go home is really what these people are communicating to me. And obviously we need to be responsible tabloid readers. I'm not like doing any contextual research. Here is another piece that I found while Googling this. This was published in September of 2021. Here's the People exclusive headline. Prince Albert appalled at Princess Charlene rumors. She didn't leave in a huff. She didn't go into exile. And this is Prince Albert giving an on-the-record interview to People magazine, being like, everything about her leaving Monaco in a huff is not true. She didn't leave because she was mad at me or anybody else. She was going down to South Africa to reassess her foundation's work down there and to take a little time off. It was only supposed to be a week-long, 10-day maximum stay. Just a tremendous amount. And once again, he says she didn't go into exile. The It's just like a real doth protest too much situation. It's it's very strange. It is very, very strange. And also, like this is all a postscript to the fact that he is currently in litigation, denying paternity of a child that was born in 2005 in an Italian court. So it's like, it's just, he is very, very unsavory. And this situation is um, so strange. And it's just like, why? It's exactly that you said, thou doth protest too much. And there's like a lot about the the stated reason that she's in South Africa is because she had surgery complications related to it. I'm just reading from this piece, a sinus lift and bone graft procedure. Like, that were something having to do with dental implants. Like, how do I know this much about her medical situation? You know, it's, which, I mean, I guess the tablets are invasive. I do read the headlines every week. Maybe they're just like, I. she's like, I had some bad surgery. Please leave me alone. But this is not normally how they handle the press. It's like, it's very confusing why we know so much. Also, Prince Albert, meanwhile, was photographed at least two events, like with Sharon Stone as his date. Yeah. Which, I mean, Sharon Stone's out there living her life. She seems fun. Yeah. But, like, his wife is just in South Africa, and he's like, cool, I'll just, like, have Sharon Stone out on dates with me, no problem. It's an interesting press strategy, is what I would say. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I just want to correct myself. She's been in... She's been in South Africa for almost a year, since January. So, not two years. But that's still a pretty long time for when you live in Monaco. Yes. So, weird one. All right. Last thing of the week, mm-hmm. Succession's coming back on Sunday. To say we're excited at the ringer would be an incredible understatement. And so I've been taking in the press tour. And I feel like cousin Greg, Nicholas Braun, noted Bachelor fan, has kind of become the face of the show in the in the celebrity press. And I I love cousin Greg, but I'm not sure I saw that coming. And I think it seems like he's just having a, a great time. I know that if you're like interested in a cousin Greg sighting, he bartends at Ray's Bar, which is owned by Justin Thoreau and possibly Nicholas Braun, partially in the West Village. So, like, he's really out there. And it's kind of, I don't know. I just sort of find it surprising that of this wonderful ensemble, he is kind of most front and center. But maybe it's because he's the youngest. I was going to say, he's younger. I believe he's not married. I, I don't really know whether he's in a relationship right now, whether like single cousin Greg out on the town has um, resulted in, a, you know, I don't want to besmirch anything he's got cooking. 
Um, but I think he is definitely like committed to being the personality and also like does seem to really want to overcome the people shouting cousin Greg at him on the street, which like, why wouldn't you shout cousin Greg at him on the street? It is like a very specific character. Also like prestige McLovin basically, you know, and you do kind of wonder if he will ever be able to escape it. Like he was in Zola Mm. and I was just like, that's just like cousin Greg doing weird things. Well, that also had the really unfortunate release timing, but yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And, and even it would seem his social media presence, he's like aware that he has some cachet as cousin Greg. And then he's like trying to parlay it into a different type of fame, but how far can that go? It's unclear. I've repeatedly tried to get him to come on Bachelor Party because I know he's a big Bachelor watcher and he just won't do it. Like, I'm just like, if you're going to have fun, can we have some fun with The Bachelor? I'm just like, come on, man. <laughs> I think it could be a, a, gr- a great look. But um, he also was like during the pandemic really into uh, Crocs. He was like in the leader in the Crocs space. I would say my the three like Crocs celebrities in my mind are Justin Bieber, Ezra Koenig, and Nicholas Braun. Like the, and I guess Diplo because Diplo has his own Crocs. But like, I feel like he really is trying to like align himself with like internet irony. And I feel like bartending is, is part of that. I, I think that cousin Greg, I love cousin Greg, the character and obviously love succession. And Nicholas Braun seems like a fun fellow, but I feel like he's like 10 years too late. I feel like this shtick would have really taken him to a higher level 10 years ago. Well, I think the COVID of it all makes it hard to be out in the world and reinventing yourself. You're kind of limited to what you are in the screen. I could see him. You're right. Like a man about town, like showing up at the final LCD sound system concerts, mm-hmm. being like, I too am like one of you Brooklynites, but now we're all old and LCD system is uh, sound system is back together. So, or they at least released a new album. I like, I don't know. Don't at me about the contractual <laughs> arrangements there, please. Um, yes, he is kind of surfing a vibe, like too little, too late. Yeah. He's, he's like real modern vampires of the city era vampire yes. weekend to me. And, um, I would have loved it, but cousin Greg, I I honestly wish you the best. I do enjoy that. He bartends like that's fun. I've always thought there'd be a great reality show or like just concept for a restaurant, which is like kind of what Vanderpump Rules turned into where like you go to a restaurant knowing you will be served by some celebrity. You don't know who it is. It's sort of like going like the character breakfast at Disney world, but it's like with actual celebrities. So it's true. I do think it's telling that we've just called him cousin Greg the whole time on this podcast, even though his name is Nicholas Braun. Well, cousin Greg is just absolutely iconic. He's such a wonderful TV character. It's true. But will he ever be able to get past it? Even though he's trying so hard. It's a testament to Matthew McFadden that he's still Matthew McFadden to me and he's not Tom. Though I well, do love Tom's Wham's Gams, but that's because I love Howard's End and he's in it. So Right. He also was Mr. Darcy in A Pride and Prejudice. And so. he's like, he was in, have you ever watched MI5? No. Oh my God. That's one of my mom's favorite shows. It's like a really long running spy procedural that he and, and Keely Hawes, his wife, also known as the home secretary and the bodyguard we're in. Um... I love him. It's just great. I can't wait for succession on Sunday. It's so exciting. Um, And I guess Adele will have to check in on her new single next week. Um, Until then, thank you to Erica Cervantes for producing this episode. Thank you to Amanda for coming over. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.